passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Fourth Down in the Steel City, Adam Crowley, Colin Dunlap, Steelers preseason reaction, Devin Bush made a fourth down stop, Colin. Yeah, he stinks. Uh, so that's fun. You know, Devin Bush, this is one of those things, too, where I continue to trick myself and trick myself and want to talk myself into something when the obvious is just in front of me. And he might be, and I don't know, it's a long shot. He might be a good guy. I don't know if he is or not. I, I'm just, I don't need to see much more body of work to know that he's not anything more than a slightly below average NFL football. Yeah, I, and the moments like the fourth down stop he had in the whole in the preseason game, and and what he did, and the moments like they just get offset by not being able to fight off a block or not hustling back on a play or not doing what he needs to do. I just can't let those moments like fill in that hole. When I thought Miles Jack made just a good play, by the way, but I I can't let those moments offset or trick me into thinking he's a good football player. Or he's actually going to contribute. And I have to stop myself in the middle of them and go, well, wait, wait. I'm going to need to see about, honestly, 15 of those in a five-game span to where he's even back to level par. Yeah. The problem is he gets sucked up on that third and 17 run by a tight end. It went for 27 yards. If he gets off his block, it winds up being like a 9, 10-yard gain. And it's not spectacular, but it's what you should do. 
So as much as people celebrated or at least pointed out that he made that play on fourth down with Miles Jack, okay, you got to make the routine plays too. And he right. Marion Motley didn't block him, you know. Right. And the problem with Devin Bush to me isn't well, there's a lack of explosion plays and, and splash plays. I mean, that's a big deal. It should be at, at pick number 10. It's also, he doesn't make the routine plays. So it's not only this guy isn't a star, but he's not even NFL average. Like I would settle for Terrell Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds is the opposite. Terrell Edmonds doesn't make the splash, but Terrell Edmonds, he plays every single game. He played the second most number of snaps in the box for a safety last year. And I thought played pretty well. And he's a useful player. He, to me, is not a bust. Devin Bush is a failure in a bust. The problem now, though, is, uh-oh, the hell are you going to do? What, where do you turn? In the DeMonte Casey injury, Steelers are going to play a lot of dime this year. That sort of throws that thing in the trash can, too. He's going to be on the field a lot, Colin. Yeah, it's troublesome. It truly is. I don't know. They, they just can't hide him, and they can't scheme away from having him on the field, right? which is very troublesome. So I don't know. It's, I was thinking about this, right? Terrell Edmonds and Devin Bush, they have to be in our lifetime. Well, think about, think about three guys on defense. Terrell Edmonds, Devin Bush, and who was the fellow from Miami that was the track star? that was Artie Burns. Can you think of three first-round picks in Steelers history that you've seen fewer people wearing their jersey? Wow. You know, normally the first-round pick, somebody's buying. There there are more Kenny Pickett jerseys in oh, one easily. month than all three of those guys who were ever produced combined. Yeah, because they never even, I mean, I guess Devin Bush kind of did, but they never even flashed to the point where we need to get this guy's jersey. Jarvis Jones probably had more jerseys than them just because he was a defensive player of the year in the SEC, for God's sakes. So, yeah, we don't we don't Thank really have, know. I can't think off the top of my head who else would fit in that category of late. It's crazy. Najee Harris has a bunch already because he's a skill position guy. Right. The offensive lineman had him because Marquise Pouncey was a hog, and same with David DeCastro. You'll still see David DeCastro jerseys walking around. Right, right. It, I, I can't think of a guy who was re- – two guys who were recently picked, like Bush and like Edmonds, in the first round, that if you go down to a tailgate party, you go to a game, you walk around – you can walk for 20 hours and not see Bush a couple, very sporadic. Evander Hood? Zygmunt Hood. Evander Ziggy Hood, yes. But I'm talking about guys still on the team. Oh, yeah. You just don't, in their first round picks, and you, you know, don't see their jersey. You know, it's a weird phenomenon. You see more Friarmuth times a million. Big time. Big time. Oh, there's no question about that. Have you seen the skinny guy? With the big man jersey, that's always wild to me. This is a this is a oh this is a great conversation. I got I've a I got a buddy. Go ahead, I, go you, ahead. You've thought about this. I got a buddy who he's like me. He's like five nine, whatever, one fifty, uh-huh. and he has an old school Dan Kreider jersey. And nice. we're not even going up big time in the size, but like you'll see you'll see some skinny dude like Craig Riley, our boss. He's uh-huh. like 
he's like six feet, 135 pounds, this guy. Imagine him wearing like a Casey Hampton jersey. Right. How do you relate to that guy? Craig, for people who don't know, Craig, if they have kids, if you've ever watched that, that cartoon, Doug, he looks like Doug Funny, that guy Doug. Jesus. Is that a good call? I mean, nine for nine. <laughs> yes. Anyhow, here was my thought. I backed away from it some, but it was a thought that I've had years ago. They should only sell the jersey in the size of the true guy. Oh, I have heard you say that yes. before. And I think that that would like, because I don't need to see <laughs> the 11 X Najee Harris. And by, by the other side of it, I don't need to see the women's small Casey Hampton. It you know what? never made sense. It might be even funnier. Like you said, in reverse where there's yeah. a guy who's pushing four bills and he's got like a Sean Sweezum Jersey on. Because hey, the guy just Gunner a big Olszewski. fan. Yes. Yeah, right. Speaking of Gunnar Olszewski. Oh, he's going to make this team. He's, and- he's on the team, this guy. Good for Gunnar. Good for Gunnar. Really happy for Gunnar Olszewski. When do you want to see him catch a ball? Like, it, it list all the receivers, though. Even the guys that are these fringe guys. When do you want to see Gunnar? The only time I guess no. I want to see him catch a ball is fair catch a punt. I need him to catch balls because I need him to be effective via the jet sweep. Because I do think getting him in the open field is something you want to do. I mean, that's why he's on the team from a punt and kickoff return standpoint. But I think if you can get him in the open field on some of those jet sweeps, I think that's going to help too. The problem is you can't only have him in there whenever he's going to run a jet sweep and you hand him the football. Or or he's in there and you're going to fake hand him the football. That's not going to wind up being effective. So I do think he needs to catch a ball here and there. But you you start listing guys, Deontay Johnson's your one, and then it doesn't matter. Then Chase Claypool, uh, George Pickens. Boykin looks like he might be a guy. Anthony Miller got hurt. Uh, Steven Sims, right. is, I mean, he's shown some uh, speed. Calvin Austin's going to come off the disabled list at some point, yep. the inactive list. And that doesn't mean that he I mean, he's going to play whenever he's ready to play, too. Um, Martavis Bryant didn't play for a while and then eh, you pull the bandaid off. Let's go. Or I guess you pull the ripcord or I don't know. You make the analogies. You're the analogy guy. He was yes, ready to go. Certainly. So your point is a good one. Uh, I would rather the ball be in any number of those guys' hands, Pat Firemuth included Gentry included in the red zone and, uh, your running back than than Gunnar Olszewski. Maybe both running backs catching it out of the backfield. Yeah. I just, it's sexy and it's cool and it's neat to see that kind of guy make the team. Is it just Ryan Switzer luxury keeping around again, and he's never going to touch the football? I, yeah, I'm always I'm always dubious of paying the guy who's only a special teamer. Um, there is value, I suppose, depending on the guy. Like there, he's Hayward Bay. He's your sixth receiver. He's going to run down. He's going to blow people up. And from time to time, if you if you have an injury, he's going to come in and play. That has value to me. He's yeah, they got one of those. And he wears forty four. Well, right. Right. Um, I mean, this is. I, I hate it. I'm. Tr- I'm not trying to up, uh, upset your argument here. No. But I, I. You only got so many roster spots. Well, like I don't know if if 44 was not on this roster, <laughs> then it does change something. You know who might be as good as 44 on special teams already is Robinson, <laughs> and Cam Hayward's brother. Right. You don't need you don't need to pay a guy. Now, if you've had uh, as little success in the kick and punt return game as the Steelers have for a while, 
I'm okay with paying a Gunnar Olszewski for that. A guy to run down and hit somebody, though? Come on. Get somebody who's hungry and smart. Bang. There you go. You got a special teams guy. It's not that hard to find that guy, I don't think. And if it is, get a different special teams coach. You don't need to be paying money for that guy. And you certainly don't need to be paying money for that guy and Gunnar Olszewski, though they do different things. That's two now starters, if you will, quote-unquote, on special teams. But for Gunnar, it makes sense to me because you've been so bad at punt and kick returns in the recent past. Derek Watt may have the best job in America. And I'm not talking in football. I'm talking in all walks of life in America. Plays a game for a living, which everybody wants to do, right? Gets paid not just handsomely, but the second most at what he does. And they only call him into work pretty much eh, the equivalent of a half a day a week. Yep. You know? And then when it's go time, when it's show time, when it's there, he doesn't have a solo. He doesn't, he isn't even part of the chorus in the back. They're just like, hey, guy, stand behind the curtain. And if something crazy happens, you just got to run on stage for like <laughs> 10 seconds. And it's good. Oh, how much am I getting paid? Oh, the only guy making more than you at what you do is the Polish last name guy that went to Harvard that's from the middle of nowhere, Ohio. Yeah, who's actually a who actually plays the position. <laughs> right. It's that is crazy to me. It is highway robbery. Again, he might be, and I've heard he's a wonderful guy. It's a gross miscalculation what he's being paid. Are we burying the biggest story from preseason game number three, Colin? Let's bring it to you next. We sure will. Fourth down, Steel City. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. In 
in-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Episode 12, fourth down in the Steel City. The preseason is over. I'm Adam Crowley, and I'm ecstatic. You're Colin Dunlap, and you are? Ecstatic. Same thing. Yeah, there we are. Let's go. Bunch of adjectives. It's over. A couple of weeks until kickoff. Steelers, Bengals. Your early prediction, Colin. Steelers, Bengals. Um, I don't know if the Steelers will win, but I don't think they'll lose by six and one half points. So there's that. I'm with you on that, and the starting quarterback will be Mitch Trubisky. Mike Tomlin has not said that, but we know it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. The statistics in the preseason, Mitch Trubisky, really good. The statistics for Kenny Pickett in the preseason, really good. The statistics for Mason Rudolph in the preseason, pretty good. And before we get into the actual sexy stuff here, Colin, of Kenny Pickett v. Mitch Trubisky, what should the Steelers do, what will the Steelers do, there have been a bunch of reports that teams have been interested in Mason Rudolph in making a play for his services. If there's a lot of teams interested, the Steelers should be able to drive up the price, no? I would think. And, you know, right now it's it's absurd that the reports, if you believe the reports, that the Steelers will do no more but part uh, with anything uh, with anything less than uh, or better than I should say, like a fourth or fifth round pick is what I've been reading. That seems absolutely absurd to me. Um, I don't know. Mason Rudolph's not, nobody's offering a fourth or fifth round pick for Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, if he were to fetch a fourth round pick, you absolutely, no question you take that deal. And then if you're the fan base of the team that gives up the fourth round pick for Mason Rudolph, you go with pitchforks and torches and you get that guy that general manager of your team, and you throw them in the closest creek, you throw them in the cl- closest river. Hey, maybe it's a coastal team and you throw them in the ocean, but that general manager deserves to be beamed into the sun, giving up a fourth-round pick for Mason Rudolph. If somebody gave the Steelers a fourth-round pick for Mason Rudolph, just because for sympathy reasons, I would give them Dan Moore Jr. as well. I would just, I would just <laughs> give them to him and say thank you. I appreciate that. Did Dan Moore Jr. take the entire offseason and just not watch tape? Did he not practice? What the hell happened? Because I thought his trajectory was on the up and up, Colin, and um, it decidedly is not. It is not, and it becomes a big problem because that's somebody on that left side that you counted on to really help you out. It's just, man. If you ask me, if not to interrupt, Colin, but if you ask me which of the returnees that I had the most hope for, it would have been Dan Moore Jr. I probably agree because Dotson is a, I, I can't figure him out either, but Dan Moore Jr., yes. The thing about it is, man, and I've done a lot of thinking over the past, I don't know, 24 hours or so. Yeah, it's about 24 hours, maybe even a little less, about how much, and I think this is a, the A topic maybe, Adam, how much the bad offensive line truly does debilitate the rest of the team. And every time that I talk myself out of that and say, well, no, the quarterback's more important. Well, no, they'll be able to run the football. Well, no, what they're going to do is roll the pocket and throw on the run a little bit. Well, no, the tight ends are going to drag across the formation. Oh, Deontay Johnson, you can get it out to him quick, little tunnel and eagle screens, let him go wild. 
Well, the defense will stop people and you'll have short fields maybe. And every variable that I could come up with, I just, I then feel like I'm lying to myself. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't want that to be the case, but it truly does feel when I have that conversation with myself, I don't have a lot of conversations with myself, just sometimes. And this is one of those conversations I am having with myself. I do just feel like I'm lying to myself and say, wait, get a hold of yourself. If this offensive line looks like that, the rest of it, you can't even light the wick. You just can't light the wick. Knock, knock. Am I allowed in? Can I come into the conversation? I think there's a ceiling for sure. And a low one at that. If your offensive line's this bad, unless you've got Joe Burrow and Jamar chase, and then your ceiling is higher. But I also looked at what Cincinnati did, and people are going to use that as an example on how you can win with a bad offensive line. I also look at them a little bit as a fluke last year. Uh, that's a 10-win team in the regular season. I don't think the Steelers would be all that far off of being a 10-win team. And, yeah, they got hot in the postseason. They gave up nine sacks in a playoff game. They should have lost that. I don't think they were really better than Kansas City. But, you know, you win a game, and and you you advance, and – you were close to winning the Super Bowl. Okay, you got hot. Don't think it's the same thing is going to happen. I do think there's a ceiling on the Steelers. I, I think- also think that they have a receiver that's better than Deontay Johnson. Yes. And Joe Mixon is a better pure runner than Najee Harris at this point. Yes, I would agree on all of that. And the quarterback is a superstar. And while we both like Mitch Trubisky, he ain't that guy. Right. And I think Kenny Pickett can be pretty good. Pretty good's not that guy. So it doesn't add up to me. I think the best the Steelers could do is probably top out around what last year wound up being. Uh, I think the quarterback play is going to be better than Ben. I think that the rush defense should probably be better. And then by extension, I think the defense overall should be better. But last year's team to me was fluky, just like the Bengals were fluky. All the things that that team did bad and they still made the playoffs, that wouldn't happen again. So I think the Steelers could do all the things that we're talking about, all the things that you went over in the hypothetical, and then still only be a team that might make the playoffs and is probably not going to win a playoff game. I mean, that's the story today. I would probably agree with you. Now, I don't know if from a standpoint of getting better, like Hmm. how much do you – what do you teach the offensive line? How do they get better? How do they – drill at the at the nfl level that's the stuff i can't figure out like i don't know how much room for for growth they have mike tomlin made it seem like jacksonville they game planned because it was their third preseason game out of four and because they were playing the extra preseason game i thought maybe the interior of that line got confused a little bit Mm -hmm. okay they were better against Detroit. Maybe they got confused less, but Dan Moore Jr. just continued to get worked by Aiden Hutchinson. Now, Aiden Hutchinson, he's probably going to do that to people this year, but this just in. Playing left tackle in the NFL means you're going to see a lot of guys that can do that to you. I don't know what can happen. I really don't. Short of, I've thrown this out there. You ask Mike Munchak to be available via Zoom once a week, and maybe he gives you a few pointers. I'm not even joking about that. That's how. That's the straws that I'm grasping at, Colin. And then I think you legitimately, when teams make their cutdowns, I think you look and say, okay, the guy that I could bring in is not good, but neither is this guy, this guy, or this guy on our line, and it would still be an upgrade. 
I don't think you can leave any stone unturned at this point. But my question to you then, Colin, is, I mean, are they really prioritizing it? If you didn't do things to fix this line before this point, are you going to do anything now to fix no. it at this point? The time's gone to fix that. Did you happen to hear what Dan Orlovsky had to say about the Pittsburgh Steelers in their past game? He's very good at what he does. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear what he has to say. He said, it really doesn't matter. He said, Mitch Trubisky's won the job as the quarterback, right? And, and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not quoting Dan word for word, although I find him to be very pleasant all the way back to when I covered him when he was a college quarterback. Um, but I'm paraphrasing. He said, it really doesn't matter who the quarterback is because it's the same situation. The offensive line is so bad that maybe the Steelers might come out and think and try to push the football downfield and maybe throw downfield. But what they're going to find out, no matter what they try to do, it's going to be the same really small yards per attempt. It's going to be the same really small time that the quarterback has. And it is going to revert back to, and this is why you go with Trubisky at the very beginning, and it's a smart move no matter what. And he actually won the job anyway, and I think he's pretty good. But it's going to revert back to, oh, my gosh, we're just getting snowed under. Let's just get the football out. And it's not all that much going to matter who won the job because the offensive line isn't going to allow the quarterback to perform. I think that's probably largely true. I will say that the thing that I think is a difference, or at least maybe I'm hoping is a difference, is attacking the middle of the field. That's something that they hadn't done the last couple of years with Ben. He was reluctant to push the ball down the field between the hash marks, which is odd given how successful he was at that earlier in his career. And I thought Kenny Pickett has, I think Kenny Pickett has done a good job of that. The best throw maybe for me of the entire preseason was when Mitch Trubisky threw the ball on the back shoulder of a Pat Fryermuth, a laser beam over the middle of the field. You can get rid of the ball quickly and attack the middle, and I think that can open things up and give you more of more than what the offense gave you last year. But I think Orlovsky's watched a lot of football. I don't think he's wrong here. Um, I think it it definitely caps the ceiling of whatever quarterback's in there. And I wouldn't want Kenny Pickett developing behind that line. I think Mitch Trubisky's in a better opera in a better station of his career to be able to deal with a line like that than is Kenny Pickett. You know what is wild as hell? That maybe one of the best throws of the whole preseason was Mason Rudolph late in the game the other day, right down the middle of the field to, I don't know who it was, a backup Jake, tight end or somebody. Sternberger or something. Yes, it, but it was an on-the-money throw into traffic that hit the guy in the hands right up the right up the middle of the field. And I'm thinking, yeah, too little, too late for that guy. But uh, for both of them, probably. I think one already got cut. You know what I like about Pickett? Because you're right, that was a hell of a throw by Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph went 0 for 3 and was better than any of the Detroit quarterbacks, which I think uh, speaks of their situation as well as the Steelers. What I love about Pickett is he two throws. The throw to Pat Fryermuth, not in this game, but in the last game when he mm -hmm. let Fryermuth get to the next level and he got hit. And then the back shoulder throw in this game too. I think it was Boykin. I might be wrong on who he threw it to. That was down the left sideline. Both of those showed maturity in knowing and having faith in your arm and your decision-making. And I just thought those were both legitimate NFL throws that I didn't know that Kenny Pickett would have at this point. He's showing maturity beyond his years, Colin. Kenny Pickett is. Sure is. Yeah. Love him. Um, I, 
Do you think Kenny Pickett could carry it? How would Kenny Pickett deal with deal with not success? Uh, deal with a little bit of failure because you know I heard this was brought up by a lot of people. It's easier to insert Kenny Pickett as opposed to pull Kenny Pickett out. Like just wait for the time. It's almost like a lot of people are waiting for um, waiting for Trubisky to fail, and then you put Kenny Pickett in the game because they're afraid of Kenny Pickett dealing with failure initially. Yeah, I don't know that it's – yeah, I guess it is they're afraid of him dealing with failure early because the reality is a rookie quarterback's going to have bumps. You're just – you're not going to be unbelievable wire to wire like Ben Roethlisberger. It's just – that's happened one time in NFL history, and Dak Prescott had a nice rookie season. I mean, it has happened, but you're going to have, as they say, adversity – and I think whatever quarterbacks in there, given the schedule, given the way the roster is built, is going to suffer that fate regardless at the beginning of the season at some point. And it is easier to then hand the keys over to your first round pick than it would be to, uh-oh, we're in trouble. You don't have a, a button you can push. And if you're going to struggle at some point either way, you might as well have that button to push. What I always disagreed with, um, I don't know where you came down on this, the people who said, well, you draft Kenny Pickett in the first round. He's going to have so much pressure on him. He needs to succeed. He's a pit guy. He's a first-round quarterback. Wherever you go as a first-round quarterback, you're going to face pressure. And if you can't handle that pressure, then you were never a first-round quarterback, I don't think. I don't care if he went to Las Vegas or San Francisco yep. or Jacksonville or Houston or Cleveland or Pittsburgh. And I don't care if he played college in Provo or Austin or Tuscaloosa or wherever. A first-round quarterback it has gigantic pressure. Massive. And if, here's the thing. Here's how I look at it in terms of pressure. If you're a first-round quarterback, it's all about equal. It's like driving a car 120 miles an hour. And then I drive that car 141 miles an hour. Once you reach a certain threshold of fast, you just can't tell anymore. Fast yeah. is fast. It's like when it's cold. Do you know the difference between minus 17 and minus 28? No, it's just freaking cold. And so once you're a first-round quarterback, you have an enormous amount of pressure. It's not like you can quantify or measure that pressure. Like be, playing at Pitt heightens that pressure differently than any other first-round quarterback. Like I don't know if that made any sense, but that's how I look at it. Like you have so much pressure that you don't measure the first round pressure quarterback that you have against the, it's all the same. You know, there's a lot of pressure on you now, Colin, because that's like an eight straight analogy streak. You're yeah. just, you're just on fire. Ripping them off. You really are. Whether it be on the fan morning show or here on fourth yeah. down in the steel city, you're rolling with the analogies, but no, that I makes feel sense. like Robin Ventura at Oklahoma state. Big long hitting streak here. Yes. Boy, that guy was pretty good, huh? Yeah. And then he got his ass handed to him by Nolan Ryan. Well, yeah. As as one would. Mm -hmm. Coming up next, I'll have my ass handed to me by Colin. I don't know why. I just sort of wanted to say that. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project UP, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation. 
with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Fourth Down in the Steel City, Colin, we didn't get called into play in preseason game number three, but everybody else did. And it was dumb before it, and it was dumb during it, and it's still dumb when we talk about it afterwards. What the frig was Mike Tomlin doing playing his starters for as long as he played his starters in that third preseason game? I don't know. You know, and it's so difficult to have a conversation with somebody who's hell-bent on machismo and testosterone and guys needing to get in there and they have to do it that way. they got to get ready for the season and – it's almost an impossible conversation to have because you can't talk any sense into them. And it's also an impossible conversation to have when people are just, for their ammunition, use the outcome. I.e., mm. well, nobody, you know, Tomlin said they're going to be okay, and nobody nobody really got their knee hurt. You could drive drunk and not hit anybody, but you're still a criminal in my book. Right. And that's, you know, I, I look at this situation. I just, I stop right here, and I say, I don't, think that the potential positives which are Najee Harris and TJ Watt and Cam Hayward and whomever, whoever you want Deontay Johnson, although I can live with him a little bit because his was early but especially those three guys that I mentioned the, the three former guys that I mentioned I don't think that the potential positive outweighs the negative. If they make great plays in a preseason game and that's that's the height of potential positive is it applicable to getting ready for a season that starts in 10 days, 14 days? No. I mean, how many times have we had the conversation, the Steelers coming off a bye, are they rested or are they rusty? And there's enough people that say rusty, and there's been enough performances to make you think rusty, that regardless of what just happened in this preseason game, you're then going 14 days, and won't the rust just grow back? That's the way I see it. The other thing is, TJ Watt just won the Defensive Player of the Year award, and he blew off all the preseason. He had 22 and a half sacks. Clearly, the rest did him some good. What's the argument for that guy to be playing, let alone after he gets cut blocked to be put back in the game, let alone then to play into the second quarter? Now, I heard some people say he missed a lot of time due to injury last year. Perhaps it's because his body didn't warm up. Well, perhaps he's just injury prone. Perhaps that's what it is. And if that's the case, I sure as hell ain't throwing him out there. Colin, I wouldn't have played Cam Hayward in the game. I wouldn't have played TJ Watt in the game. I wouldn't have played Najee Harris in the game. If they're rusty against Cincinnati, yes, it's a divisional opponent. It sucks. You're 0-1, and you're 0-1 in the division if you lose. That's a big deal. It's not as big of a deal as losing those guys, any of those guys, for the season, because if you do, you ain't making the play. You know what nobody has brought up? 
And I think it's a brilliant point that everybody's missed that I was thinking about today. I was sitting on the chair. I was doing a little thinking today. You know, Buffalo, Buffalo has that uh, policy where they don't play their starters all that much in the preseason. The Steelers beat the hell out of them to start last year. Hmm. Right? Hmm. Do I have that wrong? Mm-hmm. No, you do not. And But there was no panic. There was no, oh, my gosh, we're not ready because we didn't play in the preseason. Oh, my gosh. And I will grant you that not playing in the preseason very well may have lent itself to Buffalo not being at optimal level for week one. Absolutely. But I think that they figured out that it was a sprint, especially with 17 games. They were 14 seconds away from the Super Bowl. Who was there at the end? Yep. You know, is there a direct correlation? I don't know, but you don't, don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I am listen. It makes enough sense for me to steal that argument and probably use it on Andrew Filipponi tomorrow. If this should come up, I think it's a really smart point that you're making Colin. And regardless of whether or not there's a correlation causation correlation, what have you, it still makes sense to me that you can give up in the early season, some wins, maybe a win, maybe two wins, and you can figure it out. What you can't do is ever get TJ Watt back if he blows out his knee. And this team is so close to the margin on being a playoff team as it is. You take away your best player, you're not going to replace him. It's like the people that have the same expectation for the Penguins if Evgeny Malkin's not going to be on the ice. If you pick the Penguins to win the series in seven, and now you don't have him, guess what? You shouldn't think they're going to win the series now. So well, plus it it's proven. Fun. It's proven to track out. The Steelers' record without TJ Watt is not good. It you wasn't know? good last year. And I can't even – so I wouldn't have played him in the game, Colin, but like if I watch my friend try to run across a highway and he gets hit by a car and then my other friend does it, I'm not going to do it then. And that's a terrible analogy. I'm 0 for 2. But Mike Tomlin saw Deontay Johnson get hurt. He right. saw TJ Watt get hurt. And then he put TJ back in and he kept Cam Hayward out there and KZ's wrist popped off. And and, and the running back out there. And Najee Harris kept getting the rock. And Najee Harris is leaping over guys because he only has one speed. And I don't blame Najee for that. I blame the coach for putting him in that position. Yeah, I can't find any justification for it. It just, it seems dumb. And again, it's a 17-game season. The Certainly there's urgency. It's, but... You know what there's urgency for when you don't have one of those players or they're not at optimal health and you're playing AFC North road action right out of the gate against Cincinnati. Uh, I just, I can't get on board with the thought process. I can't understand any of it. And I'll buy from you. If you want to sell me as Mike Tomlin or the staff or whomever, I'll buy a series or two. Uh, That's okay. But I remember looking down and there was one minute and 32 seconds on the clock in the first half. And Cam Hayward was still in. Yeah, there's no justification for that to be. And I, okay, so it's it's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple thought process. If I'm Mike Tomlin, yeah, you believe in the sparring thing where you need your guys to play so that they're ready to get punched in the face because that's what boxers do. But what's the best thing that can happen? You're ready to go, and you you hit the ground running. Your feet are going. Week right. one. The worst case scenario is your season is ruined. And Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, as good of a coach as he is, and he is, and it's inarguable, 
sometimes he doesn't see the forest through the trees, man. Like with with running back, running dudes till the wheels come off. He doesn't understand you have to live sometimes to fight for the next game. Like LeGarrette Blunt, not giving LeGarrette Blunt the football. That guy would have helped you later on in the season, even though he was a dick, whenever Le'Veon Bell got hurt. And you might beat the Ravens in that playoff game, but you had pride and you wanted to send a message, so you got rid of the guy. I just think Mike Tomlin sometimes has problems seeing the forest through the trees, and that's another example right there. Well, I'll tell you why, is I don't think in his tenure, and this is a really interesting, a bigger, deeper conversation. This is one of those around to have a beer and talk for an hour about it. Has he ever had that lockstep lieutenant that talks him in or out of decisions? It feels as if like that longtime assistant that all sort of successful head coaches have. Like that weird guy who wears a hood that is Bill Belichick's buddy who sits in the basement? Not even that, but just somebody that you always associate with him as his lieutenant or Mm -hmm. his guy or his second guy. It it feels like... Josh McDaniels. Where's his Josh McDaniels? Yeah, it feels like Mike Tomlin has always sort of kept those people at arm's length. And, hey, maybe Flores will be that for him. Maybe, I don't know, but I can't think of, was Keith Butler that, or was Keith Butler? Keith Butler was a yes man. Right, right. Dick LeBeau was probably that, but it became time for him not to be that. Does Mike Mike Tomlin ever have that guy? He goes and he gets in the headset. He goes, hey, hey, what do you think here? I, I don't know if he has that guy. No, I don't think so. I mean, it might have been it might have been Dick LeBeau for a while, and then Mike Tomlin graduated because he wanted his own fingerprints to be on the defense. I don't think that there is a guy. I, I really don't. John Mitchell is a, a great assistant, and I think that he's now associate head coach. They're buds, I'm sure, and he's a hell of a defensive line coach, but Mike Tomlin's probably not running things by him. And – it has to be somewhat by design, too, Colin. I'm not saying Mike Tomlin needs to be in control of everything all the time, but we talked about this the other day. He doesn't hire the hotshot coaches. He hires guys who have respect in the league, who've been around for a while, and he keeps them, or former players, um, and a lot of the time former Steelers. You don't see the hotshot young dude coming through here, which is also another problem because I'd like to see it. And I don't know what, what goes into not wanting him to be part of a staff. I've outlined this as well. You know, Mike Tomlin is widely reported because it's, well, it's just fact, how bad he was at challenges, okay? Mm-hmm. There is no area in this country that is saturated with retired officials like Western Pennsylvania. You can't spit without hitting three of them, whether they uh, officiated at the college level, the small college level, or the professional level. There are 99 different officials that live in the North Hills of Pittsburgh that officiated pretty big-time college football or pro football. The fact that Mike Tomlin at some point didn't hire one of those men as a consultant and say, here's what you're going to do on Sundays. You're going to come. You're going to travel with us. You're going to go to the games. and Because other teams have done this, quality control guys. Uh, You're going to – be my guy. When something doesn't look right, we're just going to talk real quick. You're going to be that guy because that one instance, that one first down, that one catch, non-catch, that one challenge could change the scope of our whole season. Big time. I, I, I just, it was a no-brainer to me. 
you know, you, I just, I, it's, it's very, it's very strange. Yeah. And the front office now is more geared toward Mike Tomlin being a decision maker than it ever was before too. So you don't have guys within his locker room that have the tenure or respect to be able to challenge him or for him even to want to go to, I would think to help make decisions that would weigh heavily and the front office uh, there are guys in there that have that are long tenured, no question about it. Omar Khan, uh, Andy Weidel, these are guys that have been successful. But Mike Tomlin, I would imagine, in his mind, outranks them. So Mike Tomlin's accrued a ton of power. And this isn't a season, not to go totally off on a tangent, this isn't a season to me where Mike Tomlin, if the Steelers are 7-10, and 6-12, that's bad math, 6-11, this isn't a season that gets Mike Tomlin fired. I'm not even sure it's the season before the season that gets Mike Tomlin fired. Right. But you, you got to wonder when does thing when do things start to change for him? Because the quarterback's gone now and that was a guy he could that was maybe not the guy that he could talk to for the respect factor, but that's a guy who was around for a while. You do wonder when the natural breaking point is for the Steelers and Mike Tomlin and what needs to happen for them to get there. I agree. I agree. Speaking of breaking point, I think that's about it. For I us. knew, I knew I was rambling and like I that? knew, I knew it was all going to be over and I didn't want to get into a deep philosophical Mike Tomlin conversation, but Hey, no, tis Perfect. what it is. Yes. Sir. Hey, next, next episode's coming out on Friday after I've had 8 million beers and approximately one and a half hours of sleep. So I can't wait for that one. Calm. What do you think? I think it'll probably be our best episode yet. Considering those circumstances. Maybe I'll ramble less. I'm filibustering. The hell's wrong with me? We'll see you later on in the week, Friday, fourth down in the Steel City. Peace. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com SportsFan and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.